everybody, welcome to the latest edition of The Fortress of Rock. I am the maestro, Kevin Crane, episode 83 here, March the 17th of 2023. As always, glad, happy, ecstatic to have you aboard as we take this journey each and every week through the latest, the greatest in rock and roll, past, present, and future. But of course, we start off as always with segment one, News of the World, our tribute to Freddie Mercury and Queen. We start with the present. We start with what's going on right now in rock and roll. And usually, as you guys have figured out, there's a pattern to this. Lots of tour news, lots of new music news, and once again, we will not disappoint you. That's where we're going. Let's start off with new music news. Now, we got clues. We got hints a couple weeks ago from Rob Thomas and Matchbox 20 that there was new music coming. They told us there was a new song. Wild Dogs Running in a Slow Dream. But now, officially, today on the 17th, that song has dropped, and along with that song being available to everybody on Spotify or wherever you stream your music, we have news of a new album from Matchbox 20. Where the Light Goes will be out May the 26th. And of course, they are finally going out on tour after years and years of delays, stretching all the way back to the, what I like to call the COVID era. Now, the bad news, I got a couple peeps out there who are with me in their being very unhappy, very upset about the fact that initially when Matchbox 20 was out, going to tour before COVID hit, the Wallflowers were supposed to be the opening act. And now, of course, because we're dealing with years and years of delays, the Wallflowers have dropped out, which upsets me greatly. So now, even though I'll still go see them in concert, still have a lawn pass to see them here in August of 2023, not going to be nearly as happy, not going to be nearly as excited as I would have been a few years back with Matchbox 20 and the Wallflowers. But nonetheless, you take what you can get, you make the best of the situation. So Matchbox 20, the new album, Where the Light Goes, out May the 26th. I'm torn on this one, kids. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to give me a break here because I, I'm not a real big fan, as you know, of cover albums. I'm not a big fan of bands like U2 just released this massive set of songs where they reinterpreted all these songs from their past 
it's a sellout to me. It's an absolute sellout. Greatest hits packages, live packages, cover albums, and reinterpreting your old songs. I really have a problem with it because to me it's lazy. It's a money grab. You're trying to just take money out of the pockets of your diehard fans. So I am not on board with this. So how do I feel about Def Leppard? How do I feel about the announcement this week that coming out May the 19th, their new album, Drastic Symphonies, performed with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra will be out. Now, we have seen this for a long time, long, long time, with Metallica, with Collective Soul. Many, many bands jumped on the bandwagon for this. Let's do our songs and filter them through a symphony orchestra and see how they sound, see how they come out. Again, not a fan. I am not a fan of this. I will give Def Leppard a little bit of a break because they just put out a new album last year. So this is not a band like U2 where they haven't put out new music for five, six years, seven years, whatever it's been. And then they come out with a reinterpretation of our favorite songs. And they promise there's a hard rocking album coming. They promise it. So again, I give Def Leppard a break. If this is where they feel they want it to go, good for them. We'll talk more about this at the end of this episode and wrap it up with the first release, the first single off of Drastic Symphonies. I've been trying to hold off. You guys know I'm a big Van Halen fan. I am trying to temper my enthusiasm for the upcoming Mammoth WVH second album. Even though I just saw him in concert here last month, been trying to to keep my enthusiasm down because even with Wolfgang Van Halen, as much as I love him, as much as he seems to be a straightforward, no-nonsense type of guy, there's always a little bit of bullshit. Sorry, oops. I'll still slap a clean label on this episode, even though I just let a curse word slip through. But we all know rock stars lie. Rock stars, and it's not necessarily their fault. Their record label, other things can get involved, get in the way of them following through on the promises they make to their fans. So that's why I'm always very, very skittish. Always wary of promises made by big stars, big rock and roll 
performers. So, of course, Wolfgang Van Halen has said that this second album, because it's all him, even though when he goes out on tour, it's a band. In the studio, it is all Wolfgang Van Halen. So it's all on him. He gets it done or he doesn't get it done. There's nobody else holding up the release of an album. It's all on Wolfgang. And I have mentioned here in the past on The Fortress that if they didn't have this done, if he didn't have this done by the end of January 2023, I figured there were going to be problems because he has got an extensive, extensive slate of tour dates with Alter Bridge. Again, just saw that last month. But then, of course, he is moving on to the big 72 Seasons Tour with Metallica. So I'm like, this has got to get done. We've got to get this going. Well, somewhat kind of sort of confirmation here. Now, the big news is that Mammoth WVH is moving on to a big label, a major label. Mammoth WVH has signed with BMG. So that means more promotion, more of a spotlight. And the first album got plenty of attention. So I'm hoping, praying that BMG will do the right thing and prop this album up, give it the promotion, give it the attention it deserves. No firm date yet, but we're hearing this summer we will finally get the long-awaited promised second album from Mammoth WVH. And then finally, the talking heads have been broken up for a long time. Long, long time. Love them or hate them, it's up to you. I kind of like them, Um, and I believe I saw their groundbreaking movie, Stop Making Sense, at a local theater with a couple friends way, way back in the day. Um, I believe it was the River Park Theater in South Bend, Indiana, and of course, David Byrne, lead singer, with the big shoulders, the big white suit. And of course he posted on social media, a picture of himself with that suit on, looking in the mirror, alluding to the fact, teasing the fact that Stop Making Sense will return to theaters this fall. It looks like this fall. Again, no firm date. But the hottest movie theater out there right now, A24, which is responsible for all of the major Oscar winners this year, The Whale and everything everywhere all at once, A24 has gotten the rights to stop making sense. They're going to restore it in 4K brilliance, and it will be back out in the theaters this fall. 
I'm assuming it's going to be right around the time when they release the expanded soundtrack. Two extra songs will be on the new version of Stop Making Sense. That expanded soundtrack will be out August the 18th. And like I said, I assume that the movie will be out right around the same time. And it's a great, great concert movie. I I loved it. I loved it. If you've never seen Stop Making Sense, you got to check it out. Even if you're just kind of on the fence with Talking Heads, it is a great, great movie. All right, nice segue here. You know, we're talking about a concert movie. So let's move on into concerts, our tour news of the week. Oh, Rock Karma comes back to bite you in the butt, doesn't it? You know how I felt about Bruce Springsteen and the dynamic ticket pricing and how he and his buddy in the E Street Band, little Steven Van Zandt, have been justifying this like the petulant, arrogant jack butts that they are. Well, now all of a sudden we've got health issues with Bruce Bruce Springsteen's tour. So they've had to postpone three shows here, March the 9th, March the 12th, March the 14th. Of course, this past week, since this is hitting on the 17th, due to an undisclosed illness, they won't say who's it... Who's got the illness? What the illness is? Is it COVID? Is it something else? They swear they're going to make up the shows later on. Of course they are. Because why would they leave all that money on the table, all the high ticket prices that they backed through Ticketmaster as they gouge their fans? I'm telling you. I have lost so much respect for Bruce Springsteen. It's ridiculous. We talked about the fanzine a couple months ago, shutting down the guy who ran that for years and years, going back to the early 80s, because he lost respect for Bruce Springsteen over this whole Ticketmaster dynamic pricing fiasco. It will come back. It will come back and bite you. Not just in music, but in life. You treat people badly, it's going to come back and get you. And here's the best news of the week. Tying into this. We talked about the cure. Last week, we talked about the fact that they are going out on tour. And I am not a Cure guy. I, I, I never claimed to be a fan of the Cure. But I have to give them kudos, credit beyond all belief. Because you know what? While Bruce Springsteen was sitting there watching his bank account go up and up and up. As he announced his 2023 tour 
and said, we'll do dynamic ticket pricing so I can make even more money off my gullible fans. You know what the cure did? Robert Smith, primarily, the, of course, the, the leader of the cure. He came out and he told Ticketmaster, this is enough. We've had enough of this. You need to drop the ticket prices. You need to drop the fees immediately. He's already said he thinks dynamic ticket pricing is a scam. But now, of course, ticket prices for the Cures Tour went on sale. And, of course, they were not priced as extravagantly as Lord God Almighty of Music Bruce Springsteen's were. But they were still playing some pretty impressive venues. But because of the pressure that Robert Smith, among others, put on Ticketmaster... News has come out today that anybody who bought a ticket for a tour stop with The Cure will get at least a $5, if not a $10 fee refund from Ticketmaster because of the fact that the artist stepped up. The artist said, that's enough, no more. You're not going to do this to our fans anymore. And who would have thought, who would have thought it would have been The Cure and Robert Smith being the ones to maybe finally finding that chink in the armor of Ticketmaster and Live Nation? Fantastic. Fantastic job by Robert Smith and The Cure. I have gained an unbelievable amount of respect for them. Sorry, still probably not going to listen to their music, but I will respect them a heck of a lot more after this. Good for them. And let's hope other artists stand up. Bruce Springsteen won't, of course, because he's an absolute spineless jerk. He's a tool of the music corporations. And anybody who hasn't figured that out by now, you are naive. The leather-jacketed, motorcycle-riding rebel from Born to Run and Darkness on the Edge of Town does not exist. He's a caricature. He's a made-up, fictional character. Bruce Springsteen himself is a greedy, greedy man with greedy, greedy men behind him. But again, what we see here with Robert Smith of The Cure maybe gives us some hope. All right, for those Willie Nelson fans out there, the Outlaw Music Festival is going out on the road June through August in North America. Pointing this out more so because of who is going to be opening or playing along with Willie Nelson in some of these venues on some of these dates. 
Now, if you jump in at the beginning, at the June shows, you might be lucky enough to get Robert Plant and Allison Krauss, who I believe are playing along with Willie on the first three dates of the Outlaw Music Festival. Now, if you wait and you show patience and you wait until the August shows, I believe the last three shows at the end of the road for the Outlaw Music Festival, you are looking at John Fogarty playing the Outlaw Music Festival with Willie Nelson. So, you got to gamble. We we all know how it is with buying tickets. You got to gamble. So, Fogarty at the end, Plant and Kraus at the beginning. In the middle, eh, you can go. I, I'm passing. I'm not doing it. And then finally, again, a sign of our times that just won't end, will not stop, will not stop affecting the touring scene, not only here but overseas. We talked last week about Yes and how they're going back out on tour again. They are trying to, with a new album, just a few years after their last one, of course, the new album is Mirror to the Sky, out May the 19th. Trying to support that. Trying to be one of the few legacy bands out there who are putting out music on a somewhat regular basis. And again, kudos to them. Good for them. Even though it's really not the, the lineup that we would all love to see. But now, yes, has announced they cannot tour Europe here in 2023 because of insurance concerns. Because of the war in Ukraine and because of COVID, the concerns about COVID still lingering. Yes, cannot get dates booked in Europe because there is no option when it comes to insurance. So unfortunately, I believe they've had to cancel one show outright in England. The rest of the shows have been postponed. They are hoping that the restrictions for these insurance policies will be eased for 2024, they're hoping they can come back around to Europe in 2024. But one, I know one show, again, I believe in England, has been outright canceled because they just can't get the insurance taken care of. Welcome to Earth 2023 and the absolute mess that it is. We have one moment of silence here to acknowledge before we end News of the World. You guys know I'm not the biggest Eric Clapton fan in the world, 
but I will say I, I do enjoy Layla. Layla is an obvious rock and roll classic. And of course, that was a band featuring Eric Clapton and on drums, Jim Gordon. And Jim Gordon passed away here within the last week or so the drummer for Derek and the Dominoes. So thoughts and prayers out to the family and friends of Jim Gordon. And that will do it for News of the World. Segment one is done here on March the 17th, 2023. Oh, we have got so much more to go. Four brand new songs, four fantastic songs, telling you this right now. All four of these songs are great, but we have to break them down. We have to look into the details, into the background of the songs, into the history of the songs. So Breakdown is coming up next after a quick promo. I'm the maestro, and I'll be right back. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Fortress of Rock podcast with me, the maestro, Kevin Crane. Of course, that was segment one, the news of the world, our tribute to Freddie Mercury and Queen, where we look back at the past week in rock and roll and all the news and all the controversies that you deserve to know about. Next up is the heart of the show, the meat and potatoes breakdown where we are going to review all the new songs all the new albums all the new concert tours the shows that i've seen personally stay tuned for that of course we're now available on spotify anchor apple stitcher Castbox, google pocket cast and radio public wherever you listen to your favorite podcast hang out kids we'll be right back All right, everybody, segment one, done. Moving on to segment two here on the Fortress of Rock, episode 83, March the 17th, 2023. Of course, I am the maestro, Kevin Crane. You are who you are. It is time for Breakdown, where we review the best new music, albums, singles, and, of course, concerts. I've mentioned to you guys, I do not have a concert on the agenda until right now, June. So we're going to have to make do with albums and songs for the next couple months, unless something pops up. We do not have an album review this week. We've got The Hold Steady and Metallica coming up in April. But for now, in the middle of March, it's just singles. And we have got four fantastic songs to discuss this week. Billy Squire is first up. Yes, Billy Squire. His first song, his first new song in 25 years. 
is called Harder on a Woman. Now, a little bit of background on this. Number one, Billy Squire has obviously not done any new music in a long time. He's been known to do the occasional one-off or short tour shows. But he has pretty much kept a low profile. Now, his last album, his full-length album, and I, as a huge Billy Squire fan, very disappointed in his last effort called Happy Blue. But again, 25 years ago. Now, there's a point when, if you feel like you need to walk away from your job, your career, your chosen profession, you don't have the energy, you don't have the stamina to put up with it anymore, I will give you kudos. I will give you credit beyond all belief. Walk away. Life's too short. You get one life. And that's how I've always thought about Billy Squire, is I just figured he was sick and tired of the machine the record labels, the promoters, everything he had to put up with. And I figured that's why he walked away. Now, the song Harder on a Woman, supposedly inspired by his reaction to the recent Roe versus Wade ruling, you guys know I'm not a big fan of getting politics involved in music. I know it happens. But to me, it ends up being more of a, a roadblock, an impediment, than it is actually something that helps grow music because I'm not a hippie. So, that being said, harder on a woman thankfully, does not really delve into the details of Roe versus Wade or anything like that. Billy Squire is subtle enough with this song where he gets his point across without alienating everybody else, and that's a credit to him. That's a sign of a great songwriter a great performer. I was also worried when he, when he was talking about this song, he also said it came from a quote unquote, Neil Young moment. Oh, 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 Billy, don't go there. I have, I have so much more passion and love for you than I ever have had for anybody like Neil Young. And I get it. I know Neil Young is a touchstone, an influencer for a lot of rock and roll performers. But for me, it's always been Billy Squire. Billy Squire's Don't Say No was one of the top three or four albums when I went to high school. So I have always considered Billy Squire an underrated, undervalued performer. I still think he should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. 
And I've got news next week coming up, by the way. Just broke today. I got to do a little more research. Want to put together a little bit more on it. But there is a prominent member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame who has come out siding with us, siding with those of us on the Fortress of Rock who can't stand the hypocrisy of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I cannot wait to tell you about this next week in News of the World. But, again, personally, I think Billy Swire, just on the the influence of don't say no, and then you can throw in emotions in motion, signs of life, I don't want to get into a rant about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. All I'm going to say is it's funny how some artists get one album and they they say it's transcendent. It's fantastic. It's got to put them in the Rock Hall of Fame where other artists stuck around for 10, 15, 20 years with almost equal influence and don't even get considered. But I digress. All right, my problems with Harder on a Woman. Number one, it's six minutes long. It's repetitive. Really should have been cut down to about five, four and a half minutes. Um, And it needed a punch. It needed oomph. It needed something else. There's a moment or two in the song where you really could have dealt with some hard rocking, a little bit heavier drums and guitar. You can blame it on the production. But if, you, if you've listened to Signs of Life especially, Signs of Life was the album that kind of shifted and changed Billy Squire's musical vision. He went more from a straight-on rocking guy into more of a keyboard-influenced, let's play around with sonic soundscapes type of guy. And you can hear that still in Harder on a Woman because keyboards come in and they kind of invade the space. Whereas I want more guitar, I want more drums, You get more keyboards. Now, that being said, Billy Squire in his 70s sounds absolutely fantastic. And I guess 25 years of resting your vocal cords will do that. He sounds awesome. Now, he has not ruled out more new music. He's kind of, sort of, implying that this song might be a springboard to him doing more new music. We'll see. So for all its faults, all the positives, all the negatives, Harder on a Woman is a welcome return for 
one of my favorites, Billy Squire. Glad to have you back. Another artist, another band coming back after a long layoff, although not quite as long as Billy Squire. Be hard to top 25 years, but I believe it's been seven years since we have heard from Winger. Yes, the butt of jokes on Beavis and Butthead. They are not a band you should ridicule anymore. In my opinion, they've never been a band you should ridicule. Of course, we all know the in-joke from Beavis and Butthead where they were wearing Metallica and ACDC shirts and their nerdy friend Stuart wore a winger shirt. And yes, they fell in early on in their career to the hair metal poofed up hairdos and the the pastel colors and that look. Winger should not be taken lightly. They got over that. After the first few albums, they grew. They got over the 80s pomp and circumstance. And if you have listened to their last two albums, Karma and Better Days Coming, you know this is a tight, solid, serious band who can put together an album top to bottom, back to front, solid, better than anybody else out there right now. So, we mentioned last week, the new album, Seven, will be coming out on May the 5th. The first single is Proud Desperado. Proud Desperado might not be the greatest song ever. I I don't think it's catchy by any stretch. You're not getting 17 out of this. Um, So in that sense, that is a little disappointing in that I always want a hook. I need a hook. If you don't have a hook in a song, there's no point to the song. But Proud Desperado, without a a big hook, at least otherwise, does the best it possibly can. And again, Winger has gotten more serious, a little bit darker with their lyrics over the past decade or two. There are allusions here in the video, if you see that on YouTube, as well as the song to the current... Ukraine-Russia conflict. Kip Winger is not a pretty boy. He's not a dumb pretty boy, which is what everybody wrote him off as when Winger first burst onto the scene. Military background. He takes these things seriously. He has become more serious. He has work that he's done in opera, musicals, check it out, look him up, and you will see he has done 
really impressive work over the last 10 years when it comes to stage shows. Proud Desperado is a great first song. I'm not saying it is the be-all end-all like last week where I went crazy about Rise from Extreme. That's a different animal altogether. Rise is a clarion call of the next great rock album, in my opinion. And while I have no doubt that Proud Desperado is, to a lesser extent, the same, and I have no doubt that Seven will be a fantastic album, Proud Desperado is a good but not great lead-off track. So now we've given you Billy Squire. We've given you Winger, two acts that have not put out new music in a long time. So now you get the third singles, the third releases from some bands that we've been discussing here recently with new albums coming out. First up, let's go with Metallica. Third single off of the upcoming album, 72 Seasons, is If Darkness Had a Sun. And I'm telling you, out of the three so far, this is my favorite. And I alluded to the fact in the first segment in News of the World, I love all four of these songs. I really do. For different reasons, but I love all four of them. And I again, Metallica, the third single off the upcoming 72 seasons, this song gets me back in a Metallica mood. Let's put it that way. It doesn't sound like cookie cutter Metallica, but at the same time, it still has all the elements, all the signature guitar moves and the songwriting style and the singing of classic Metallica era from the Black Album. I don't want to upset the old headbangers. I'm not saying this is a song that harkens back to Kill Em All. But this is a song that feels comfortable in the post-Black Album Metallica era. Fierce, fierce drum work from Lars Ulrich. Again, Lux Eterna was okay. Screaming Suicide, eh. This is the song that I wanted to hear from Metallica. So this is finally three songs in the track that gives me hope that 72 seasons will actually maybe, possibly get me back to that Black Album era sound. We will see. We've got a month to wait. And you know once 72 seasons comes out, we will have a full track-by-track track review for you right here on the Fortress of Rock. Then finally, of course, a band... I've been praising for the last year and a half ever since I saw them open for Greta Van Fleet. That would be Rival Sons. 
We talked about the fact Dark Fighter, the new album, has been delayed. Should have been out by now. Got pushed back three months from March to June. But they're still releasing singles. The third single from Dark Fighter is Bird in the Hand. And this is a really interesting, cool song. Starts out with some banjo transitions into what I I'm listening when I hear it I hear Queens of the Stone Age a stomp one of those monolithic stomping rhythms that you would get from a Queens of the Stone Age type song lyrics are fantastic some of the best lyrics I've heard in a long long time in a song And again, as I said, all four of these songs are fantastic. Puts me in a good mood for the upcoming spring and summer music months. Bird in the Hand is fantastic. But all four, Bird in the Hand, If Darkness Had a Son, Harder on a Woman, and Proud Desperado, all hope that we're going to get some great rock and roll in 2023. So that's going to do it for Breakdown. Of course, our tribute to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. I'm the maestro Kevin Crane. Going to give you a quick promo break. Sun just broke from the clouds here outside the Fortress of Rock Studios. Doc Brown is happy. We're going to hop in the Rock and Roll DeLorean, fire it up to 1.21 gigawatts, and take a trip back in time as we do each and every Friday night. Birthdays, anniversaries, classic moments in rock history. Hang out for just a sec through this promo, and Doc Brown and I will be right back. All right, now that we've looked at the current state of music in our breakdown segment, it is time to climb into the DeLorean and travel back in time to look back at moments in rock and roll history, birthdays, deaths, anniversaries of song and album releases. It is time for I Want to Go Back, our tribute to Eddie Money. Stay tuned. And as always, we're on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public, anywhere where you listen to your favorite podcasts. All right, everybody, segment three here, The Fortress of Rock, episode 83, March the 17th, 2023, Doc Brown and I are in the Rock and Roll DeLorean. We are in the time stream. We're heading back to tell you about all of the birthdays, the anniversaries, the classic moments in rock history that happened on March the 17th. But first and foremost, got to take care of some bitterness. My sources for News of the World. And this segment, I want to go back 
I can't do it all. I, I my brain is so full of pop culture nonsense. I need to sort it out. I need somebody to guide me. So I have ultimateclassicrock.com, thisdayinmusic.com, and of course the Van Halen News Desk to help get me through. Some of the ideas come from them, but of course the opinions are not theirs. They are mine and mine alone. Then of course you found us somewhere in the podcast landscape. Obviously, you would not be able to hear the dulcet tones of my voice otherwise, but you have options. You can hear the Fortress of Rock each and every Friday night on Spotify, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Apple, Overcast, CastBox, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and Audible. And of course, check out our Facebook page. Every weekend, we've got a couple fun things going on, as you guys know by now. Fridays, we have the Weekend Rock Project. We're messing around with numbers this week. We're looking for your favorite rock songs with the number one, two, or three in the title. So head out to the Facebook page and submit your choice. Lots and lots out there that fit the bill. So this should be an easy one for you this week, kids. Then, of course, this coming Sunday is New Music Sunday, where we post a video off of YouTube for one of the new great rock songs that are out there. And I do believe that uh, Kip Winger... Reb Beach and Company might make an appearance here this coming Sunday. All right, so let's get into anniversaries here for March the 17th. We go back to March the 17th of 2010. Alex Chilton died on this day. Alex Chilton might be one of the most underappreciated, underrecognized figures in rock history. Alex Chilton was a member of not one but two important bands. He was a member of the Box Tops and Big Star. And he is forever immortalized in the fantastic song by the replacements, of course, called Alex Chilton. Now, I'm not going to let my bias get in the way here as Doc Brown looks at me as we drop down to March the 17th of 1984 here in the Rock and Roll Time Stream. As I say, this song is one of the most important songs in rock and roll history. I firmly and completely mean it. I am not saying it's one of my favorites. 
even though it is by my favorite band of all time, even though I love the song beyond belief. I don't think it's aged all that well, but I still think it's a fantastic song. And again, I think in the terms we're looking at here, in the time stream, rock and roll history, Jump by Van Halen is one of the, I would say, 10 most important songs in rock and roll history. It was a pinnacle for the MTV era. Obviously, blasted Van Halen into the stratosphere, made the first incarnation of Van Halen with David Lee Roth, one of the top two or three American rock bands of all time. On this day, March the 17th, 1984, Jump by Van Halen hit number one on the U.S. singles chart. And again, you can disagree with me. I, again, I'm saying it's not one of my favorite songs of all time. I wouldn't even put it in my top 10, top 15 in terms of my favorite Van Halen songs. But I admit its place in history, both with that band and with rock and roll in general. Tell me a more important rock song in the 1980s than Jump. Please, tell me. Then finally, March the 17th, 1957, Elvis Presley buys Graceland, buys the Graceland Mansion for $102,000 $102,500. Yes. Back in 1957, you too could have had Graceland for just over $100,000. Think about that, kids. All right, it's time for birthdays. Now, I'm going to cheat. And you know if I'm going to cheat... It's for a good reason. Before we get into birthdays on March the 17th, there are certain birthdays that I will acknowledge even if they don't happen to fall perfectly here in our Fortress of Rock timeline. And one of those is this week, yesterday. March the 16th is the birthday of one Wolfgang Van Halen, who we talked about in segment one, the new Mammoth WVH album, the second album coming out this summer, March the 16th, 1991, Wolfgang Van Halen was born 32 years old yesterday. Happy birthday to Wolfgang Van Halen. In my humble opinion, the future of rock and roll. All right, going 
back into the time stream, lining things up the way they're supposed to be, getting back on track with March the 17th. A connection here with Wolfgang Van Halen, but I'm going to be ultra negative because I don't like this guy. I don't like him at all. I think he's one of the biggest jerks in rock and roll. And he was born on this day in 1975. His name is Justin Hawkins. He is the lead singer of The Darkness. A ridiculously over-the-top, not funny, not smart, not as smart as they think they are, band. Who, of course, are kind of a parody rock and roll band. Not like Weird Al Yankovic, not like Tenacious D, because those guys actually have a sense of humor. Those guys are clever. Those guys are funny. Justin Hawkins is not. Justin Hawkins is an idiot. Why do I hate Justin Hawkins so much? Number one, I don't think The Darkness is a good band. I never have. I don't think Justin Hawkins is a good lead singer. I never have. Then, of course, for some reason, we talked about this recently with the Taylor Hawkins tribute concerts, Wolfgang Van Halen, as much as I love Wolfie, I don't understand why he figured, why he thought when he was going to finally break his embargo and start playing old Van Halen, he would bring Justin Hawkins not only on stage in England, but in America to sing in place of David Lee Roth on classic Van Halen hits. Couldn't have thought of a worse person in the world to bring on and sing old school Van Halen than Justin Hawkins. And of course, there's stories about the mess that he made with Brian Johnson of ACDC. But then he had to come out a little bit after that and start ripping on my guys in Alter Bridge. I guess he's got a podcast or a YouTube show where he gets out there and just says the stupidest, most inane stuff, acting like he knows anything about rock and roll, where I'm sorry, he doesn't. And he's ripping on Alter Bridge. Why does anybody like Alter Bridge? Alter Bridge is awesome. Alter Bridge kicks ass. You wish you had the talent in Mark Tremonti's pinky finger. You wish you had that talent in your whole body. You wish you had the talent Miles Kennedy has in his left toenail in your whole body. Justin Hawkins is jealous. Justin Hawkins doesn't understand the fact when real, true, skilled rock and roll people put together great albums, put together great songs, put together great tours. Justin Hawkins is a, a, just an arrogant idiot. Yet I have to acknowledge his birthday because, again, 
for some strange reason, he's got a connection with Wolfgang Van Halen. And again, Wolfie, boy, I don't understand why you thought this guy was worthy of singing the old Van Halen stuff with you on stage at the Taylor Hawkins tribute concerts. All right, so we're going to move back to March the 17th of 1967. Billy Corgan, the leader, the mastermind behind Smashing Pumpkins, is 56 years old today. Of course, we've talked about this massive project, this rock opera they've got coming out in a couple months here called Autumn. Again, I'm trying to do the best I can with the pronunciation. But uh, for better or for worse, sometimes brilliant, sometimes overreaching, Smashing Pumpkins, Billy Corgan, that he is what's great about rock and roll. If you want to compare and contrast Billy Corgan to Justin Hawkins, Billy Corgan may overreach, may try too hard, may go too far may get too far in the weeds with some of the stuff he does. But again, to me, he's a grounded, normal guy like me, like you, like the rest of us. He likes wrestling. He's part owner in a wrestling league. He's a Cubs fan. He is a guy. He's a normal dude who just happens to, once he takes on that rock and roll persona, maybe sometimes takes things a little too far. Sometimes in a good way, sometimes in a bad way. So happy birthday to my fellow Cubs fan, Billy Corgan. Going back to March the 17th of 1951, Scott Gorham, we've talked about him recently. When we talked about Black Star Writers, of course, Black Star Writers are the current offshoot of Thin Lizzy. And of course, Scott Gorham was one of the integral players in Thin Lizzy, played guitar for Thin Lizzy 1974 to 1983, and in the And, of course, we all know, as I mentioned, Black Star Writers, he was a big part of that. He's kind of let them go off on their own. And he's working now on this latest, newest, current version of Thin Lizzy. Now, personally, for me, this next one, this next birthday is very special. March the 17th, 1944, John Sebastian. Now, those of you a little bit older than me would know him, of course, from the Love and Spoonful. I, of course, acknowledge him as being the author, the writer of arguably the greatest TV theme song of all time. And that would be Welcome Back, the theme song from Welcome Back, Cotter. 
which I still to this day love, adore, and admire that show. And every time I hear that song, I get wistful. I get melancholy. I think back to when I was 13, 14 years old when Welcome Back Cutter was on TV. The one-hit wonder, if you want to call him that, of Gabe Kaplan. Of course, the launching pad for one, John Travolta. So happy birthday to John Sebastian. Then we move back to March the 17th of 1941. One of the founding members of Jefferson Airplane, Jefferson Starship, Paul Kantner. And of course, I'm seeing some version, some inclination, some incarnation of them this summer on the Party Gras Tour with Brett Michaels and Night Ranger. I'm sure there are absolutely zero original members left. This is not Starship, though, with Mickey Thomas, and we built this city. Of course, where that that mess fell apart. I'm sure the version I'm seeing is going to be a lot of people who barely grew up in the same era as Paul Kantner and the rest of the guys, and Grace Slick, of course, in Jefferson Airplane. This is what you got to deal with now. The official, the officially recognized version of your favorite band. But I don't know what's worse. I don't know if the officially recognized band is worse than the Mickey Thomas Starship that's out there right now. Where you're going to hear all the cheesy, goopy stuff that they put out in the 80s. And of course, they weren't the only ones. We know there's a lot of other bands who sold their souls in the 80s. Heart, of course, comes to mind. But Paul Cantner, of course, one of the original founding members of the old school White Rabbit. Miracles, that whole era of Jefferson Airplane, Jefferson Starship, was born on this day in 1941. And finally, not necessarily rock and roll, but of course you have to acknowledge the birthday of the great, one of the smoothest voices in music history. Born on this day, March the 17th, in 1919. That would be one, Nat King Cole. So there you go, kids. I want to go back. Our tribute to the late, great Eddie Money is over for this week. Hope you enjoyed the trip back in history as much as I did. 
I think Doc Brown liked it. Although he keeps telling me he's got a Domino's pizza waiting for us outside the garage. So we got to get back to Fortress HQ. Got a promo coming up and a couple minutes left, of course, as you know. We've got to look ahead to what's coming up in our next few episodes when it comes to music reviews. So, Wrap It Up is next. We'll be right back. Well, we hope you enjoyed our trip back in time, looking back at the anniversaries, the classic moments in rock and roll history. But of course, the DeLorean works both ways. So now we have to move forward. The last segment here, as always, on the Fortress of Rock with me, the maestro Kevin Crane. Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It's all about the future. What's coming out here in the next month or two? What songs? What albums? What concert tours? That's why we call it Wrap It Up. Thanks to the fabulous Thunderbirds. Thanks to you for hanging out. Here comes our final segment. All right, everybody. We have been through the news of the world. We have been through breakdown. We have been through I Want to Go Back. So now, in the last few minutes here for this week, on the Fortress of Rock, we do wrap it up. Our tribute to the fabulous Thunderbirds, where we look ahead to the new music that's coming up over the next month or so that we're going to review. Uh, again, very, very unfortunate that we have got a dry spot here in concerts. Don't have any concert reviews coming up here for the next couple months. We'll work on the albums, of course, in April. We will have The Hold Steady and Metallica. We've talked about Matchbox 20 coming soon. We have talked about Rival Sons, although it was delayed. We should get that in June. Of course, Mammoth WVH coming this summer. So for right now, what we've got, we've got some songs that we're looking at for next week. We've talked about the third single from the Hold Steady, the upcoming album, The Price of Progress. The third single is Understudies. That should be on the slate for next week here on The Fortress. Of course, we talked about Peter Gabriel releasing a new song every full moon from his upcoming album I slash O still got two on the slate here second and third releases off I slash O playing for time and the court and of course going back to segment one we mentioned these two songs now Def Leppard don't normally like to do this, but maybe we'll make an exception. The album Drastic Symphonies 
out May the 19th, reinterpretations of some of Def Leppard's most popular songs and some lesser-known songs with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. The first release is their new interpretation of Animal. Now, I'm a skeptic by nature. I'm a skeptic at heart. So, when I read the initial story, the initial release about drastic symphonies, and I I read that they're swearing, Def Leppard is swearing, they've redone all the vocals, all the parts. I take them at their word. But when I listen to this version of Animal, I've only listened to it once. That's why we're not giving you a full review yet, but I've listened to it once, and boy, it does not sound completely new to me. It really sounds, at a lot of times during the song, like it's the old version of Animal with the Philharmonic's work kind of layered over it. So let me listen to it a couple more times, and then I will give you my review, and you can then be the judge. And then finally, of course, we talked about Matchbox 20, the new album, Where the Light Goes Out, May the 26th, the first single, which we knew was coming today. Again, very odd that a band would announce two weeks ahead of time when they're going to release their first single. Usually they do that simultaneously or maybe a day ahead of time. Not two weeks ahead of time. A little bit uh, melodramatic. A little bit diva-esque for Rob Thomas and the boys. But the first single off of Where the Light Goes is Wild Dog, subtitled Running in a Slow Dream. And we will have that for you next week. Our review of that on The Fortress of Rock. Of course, we're still looking at Smashing Pumpkins. Some point in time, trying to figure out how we're going to review this mess. This rock opera, Autumn, and some of it's out right now. We'll get to it when we can make sure we can give you a full comprehensive review. And we've talked about Black Star Riders, mentioned them last segment when we were giving out birthday wishes to Scott Gorham. Might still review the new Black Star Writers album here at some point soon. Again, we just try to piece this all together to give you the best possible reviews we can, when we can. Who knows what's going to come out in the next week. Who knows what kind of news we're going to get about new albums, new tours, new singles. But that's what I'm here for, to let you know what to be on the lookout for, what to listen to, 
what to stay away from, and what to embrace. I am the maestro, Kevin Crane. Episode 83 of the Fortress of Rock is done here on March the 17th, 2023. Seven days from now, I will be right back with you, and we will have more rock and roll news, reviews, and looking back, of course, at rock and roll history. So until then, spring is upon us. The bad weather looks like, for the most part, is done. So let's start enjoying the beginnings of spring. March Madness. Baseball season coming up here very, very soon. Love you all. Take care of yourselves. I will talk to you next week.